Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and as usual, I am always thankful that you are joining me and glad that you are listening. Today, we are doing a show, and it is called The Phoenix in You, and we all have a phoenix in us. And so part of this show and and a great majority of the idea behind this show comes from the book that I wrote, uh, God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And that is uh, on Amazon. You can always find that on Amazon. You can also find it if you go to my website. It will give you a link as to how to find it on Amazon. So I'm also giving this particular presentation, which I'm very excited about, to the Hope Not Shame conference that is coming up on February 18th with Dr. Randy Carlson. And he is going to join us in the third segment today from Tucson. He's going to call into the show, and he's the other presenter. And so he's going to talk to us for a while about what he's doing on that particular event. So that event is with Calvary Community Church, and it is called the Hope Not Shame Conference. You can get a lot of information from my website. You can also go to the Calvary Community Church uh, website, and there will be tons of information about this conference. It's really going to be exciting. So one of the lectures I'm going to give is this phoenix, the phoenix in you. And so I want to give you just a heads up about it. You can listen to it and certainly please join me at the conference and you will get to even hear more about this particular concept of the phoenix in you. And this is really where this saying that I coined that God gave me, it is the crucified life is vastly different than being the living dead. And that is that God wants you truly living, not walking dead. So what that leads us to is this concept that is, what has to die in order for you to live? And so Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as high as the heavens are, higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And this is really powerful to recognize when God says, you know, this is kind of a, this is kind of a, a contradiction, a huge contradiction, that in order to live, you have to die. And if you don't die, you will eventually be eternally dead. And that is a terrible thing. And so God is saying, my ways aren't your ways. I don't do it the way you do it. And the way that I think isn't the way you think. I know it sounds and feels like a contradiction. And I like the second verse. This is Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And this is God saying, forget the things that happened in the past. I'm doing a new thing. Don't keep thinking about that old way. What worked in the past may not work in the present. Now, there are some universal truths. But God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. 
I'm doing something new. It's beginning to happen even now, right in front of you. Don't you see it? And just like he said in the Isaiah passage in 55, that his ways aren't our ways, his thoughts aren't our thoughts. And the way he does things is beyond our comprehension. He says here in the, in the verse 19 from chapter 43 in Isaiah, I'm going to make a way for you to go through the desert, and I'm going to make streams of water in the dry and empty land, which means he's going to make something out of nothing. And that's what a true creator can do. He doesn't just create things from things that are already made, which is what we creative people do here on earth. We make unique and creative things that have never occurred, but we have to make them from something that's already existing. God says, I'm going to do something in you. I'm going to create streams in the water in a dry and empty land. That means I'm going to make something out of nothing for you. And the things that you may have created or the life that you know may have to die in the desert so that I can bring that water into the dry and empty place of your life. So what is a phoenix? Well, I looked it up, and it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. And, and I really like this, this idea and, and, what it, and what it truly is. And so this idea of a phoenix is that this phoenix bird died, and out of the ashes came to life. And so when we see this idea of the phoenix, and that you have a phoenix in you, so we even see this, this um, phoenix bird in the Bible. And I like this, this saying by Christina Baldwin. It's, she says, change is the constant, the signal for rebirth, the egg of the phoenix. Of the phoenix. So some theories propose that the myth of, the, of this started as allegories. And, and according to that theory, myths begin as allegories from natural phenomenon. And so Apollo represents the sun, Poseidon represents the water. And, and before you think that I'm somehow sacrilegious, the phoenix was seen in the book of Job. And this is a long-lived bird that cyclically regenerates or is reborn. It's associated with the sun, and a phoenix obtains new life by rising from the ashes. And so the phoenix dies in a show of flames and combustion, and, and then it rises from the decomposition of itself, and it's born again. And the thing that is so fascinating is it symbolizes this renewal, which is the sun, which is time, consecration, resurrection, it, it's Christ, it's Mary, it's virginity. It's all these things that are exceptional to man and aspects of the Christian life. And so this, this phoenix was in the Jewish Old Testament Bible. And, and it's the description that the path God has prepared for us. And that is this idea that a crucified life is different, vastly different from being the living dead. And I, I love this quote. I love quotes, so I'm going to give you some more. This is Albert Einstein. He said, God always takes the simplest way. And so I, I tell this to clients all the time, that God always goes the simplest way. So if it seems highly complicated to you, understand that it is the most simple way that God could take you on. Our tendency is to really complicate things. So this verse, Luke seventeen thirty three, 
This says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you let go of your life, you will save it. So this goes back to Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So I ask you this question today. What has to die in order for you to live? I mean, did this hit you like a ton of bricks? You see, dying is permanent. Death ends something that was once alive, maybe even thriving. Yet not all things that live in us are meant to be there or are a part of our purpose. So I'm thinking of addictions, unhealthy attitudes, resistance to change. And maybe you can think of a few examples that are living in your life that are going to inhibit your ability to have the God-ordained life that he created you to have. What are the things in your life that are getting in the way of you being the person you're supposed to be or the person you want to be? How are you inhibiting your life? This, is, this show is following last week's and the week before, the power of no, and understanding the power of no. If I don't say no to certain things, I will have things in my life that inhibit my own destiny, that cause me to be a lesser version of myself. And so there can be whatever it is that, that's stifling part of us that's meant to live and thrive. It's that, in that verse in Je, um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. he says he has plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. And so there are things in our life that are inhibiting that plan, that are harming us, that are stealing the hope and the future that we have. It's prosper, hope, future, no harm. These are the words of an abundant life. So the dying process has to occur in order for us to truly live. This is the way of the universe. This is God's way. This is what God did through Christ. And it's not something that we can do on our own. But how great is our God that he's gone before us and he knows the way? He does not grow tired. And he understands through death that this produces life. And he promises us comfort through the suffering and tells us in Psalms 138.8, I love this, the Lord will fulfill his purpose in me. All praise to God, the Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through a hard time so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. That's God's promise, that in the dying process, he is the God of all mercy. He will comfort us. He will bring others to comfort us that have gone through similar things. And so we look to Jesus in this new light. He lived an abundant life. And and he's meant to be an example, not just of how to love and treat others, but also how to die to oneself to gain life. Jesus is the consummate servant leader. And he leads the way by example. He doesn't just teach as a concept. He walks it out fully and completely. 
And so there must be a dying process for us to truly live. This is one of the most difficult things I have ever come across. One of the most difficult concepts I have ever ever had to grapple with. And I continue to have to grapple with it. Because I continue to have sin in my life that constantly grows and wants to mature. That I have to say no to. That I have to actually kill and let die. And it is painful. And I know for myself... The dying process can sometimes be the same experience you might have with cockroaches. You think you killed them, they come back mutated even stronger. But I will not give up, and nor are you to give up. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about God wants you truly living, not walking dead, and really finding the phoenix in you. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me. Today we are talking about the phoenix in you. And this is a presentation that I'm going to give at the Hope Not Shame Conference on February 18th with Dr. Randy Carlson at Calvary Community Church here in Phoenix, Arizona. And thankfully, Dr. Randy Carlson is going to join us here in the third segment, uh, the next the next segment after this one, and talk to us about what he's going to do as well at this conference. So it's a very exciting conference. I do not want you to miss it. And so this particular presentation, The Phoenix in You, uh, is derived very much from the book that I wrote called God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And this is really about the dying process and why God, he does things that are not the way we would do things. And it's that Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, that says his ways aren't our ways, his thoughts aren't our thoughts. And so it's this crazy contradiction that in order to really live, I need to die. So it's asking yourself, what has to die in me in order for me to truly live? And that is unique in many ways to us. It's also there are some universal things that need to die. And so it may be in your life a control issue. It may be negativity. It may be perfectionism. It may be an addiction. It may be hatred. It may be prejudice. It may be fear. It, it, it may be a self-aggrandizement or, or it may be any myriad of those control issues. Whatever it is in your life that is stifling the plan or killing the plan that God has for you, what has to really die so that you can truly live. And so just as Jesus did, we use our free will to surrender our self-will to God's will. I'm going to say that one more time. God gave me this great saying. It really helps me focus that I use my free will because he's given all of us free will to surrender my self-will to do God's will. And this is, it's very, it's a very painful process. And I'm sure you understand it just as much as I do. This idea of, of dying to self. And, and we talked about that Luke 17.33 that says, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. And Matthew chapter 16.25-26 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And verse 26 says, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. What can anyone give in exchange 
for their soul. In Revelations 12, 11, it says, They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. So it's very imperative that we start to think about what is it in me that needs to die? And I'm going to give you another Albert Einstein quote that I I really like. It says, I must be willing to give up what I am in order to become what I will be. That's amazing. Who am I today? What do I need to give up about what I am in order to really become what God wants me to be? And so it's about crucifixion. It's about dying. And we love that verse, Galatians 2.20, that says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is a powerful oxymoron. Or I didn't say oxymoron, I said contradiction. That the way to live is to die. And so we accept that God's ways are not our ways. So change is this imperative issue. We have change. We have three types of change. We have two types of death. So the two types of death that are very imperative that you understand is I either need to let the the good thing die for the better thing. So it's the death of a good thing for a better thing. Or it's the death of the thing that's killing me that needs to die. So the death of a good thing for the better, this is similar to the caterpillar in the cocoon. If that caterpillar stays in the cocoon, it will die. But that cocoon is amazing. It's wonderful. And living as a caterpillar was kind of cool. But God wants something better. So this is that Albert Einstein quote, that the caterpillar is willing to give up who he is, who... who, but that am piece to be who he really is supposed to be. So he says, you know, I'm a good caterpillar, but God wants me to be a butterfly. So the death of the caterpillar in order to become the butterfly. So what's the death of really good things in your life that are inhibiting you from having the best? What are some of the things that you might need to let go of in order to have the best? Well, there are some things when, when we look at raising children. The death of that original family, that family unit that we enjoyed so much in order for the better thing, which is our kids thriving and having their own life. So I need to let that family system be in the past for a greater family system. More people that are going to come into our family as a result of our kids launching and going out and doing their life and the calling that God has for them. Because if we keep them, those kids in the cocoon of our family, they will surely die. So that's the death of a good thing for the better. Well, let's talk about the death of the thing that's killing me. What needs to die in you so that you actually can live? And these would be things that many times are are what we do in counseling. They're hurts that we can't get over. They're disappointments. They're failures that we can't get past. There's a way that we view ourselves that is inhibiting us from being who God really has us to be. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's fear. Whatever that may be that is inhibiting you from actually being who God wants you to be. I have to give up who I am right now 
so that I can be who God really wants me to be. So those two different types of death I want you to think about. The death of a good thing for the better, the death of the thing that's killing me. And so in that process, we have changes that occur. And if we don't do these changes appropriately, they will end in the wrong things dying. So the first kind of change that we have in life is the change we initiate. This might be an an intentional job change. It might be getting married. It might be getting divorced. It might be adding a child to our family. It might be pursuing higher education. Whatever it is, that change that you initiate, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to become a Christian. Whatever that change that you initiate, that's one type of change. That is usually the change of preference for us. It gives us, in some ways, the feeling of more control. So the second type of change that, if we don't do well, leads to unnecessary death is the change that's predictable It's unavoidable. So it may be something like aging, puberty, progressing through a job, graduating from college, um, getting new neighbors. These are changes that are predictable. They are going to come because we are locked in time. We don't necessarily initiate them, but they are going to happen. It's women going through menopause. It's these types of things. There is just no way to stop the aging process. We can fight it as much as we want, but it will occur. So this is the change that is predictable and unavoidable. And if we don't do it well, it will lead to many other types of death that are unnecessary. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you hang on on to the show. We have Dr. Randy Carlson in the next segment, which we are so excited to talk to him about this Hope Not Shame conference, Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Join me again in the next hour. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you were here in this next half hour of this show today. We are talking about the wonderful conference that's coming up at Calvary Community Church here in Phoenix, Arizona, Hope Not Shame. And this hour, I've been doing part of one of the lectures that I'm going to be giving called The Phoenix in You. And as I stated in the last segment, I'm having Dr. Randy Carlson join us for this segment just to tell you some of what he's doing. And I'm so excited to have him back with us, if you remember. He's been on our show before when he uh, talked about his book, Starved for Affection. And he is a radio personality. He's an author. He's a counselor. He just does lots of great things for the community at large. And so we're glad that he's here. He has many books that he's written and co-authored and Star for Affection, like I said, he's done Unlocking the Secrets of Your Childhood Memories, Parent Talk, Father Memories, Cain and Abel Syndrome. And the, the thing he's doing, his sixth book, which is The Power of One Thing, and that is the book that he is going to talk to us about at this conference. So, Dr. Randy Carlson, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be with you, Cynthia. Well, tell us about this, the power of one thing, whatever, you know, this book and how it came about and, and what, it, what it means. Well, you know, life is full of a lot of things, more than one thing. But what I've discovered, so many of us that wrestle with good intentions, things that we want to work on in our life, issues that we need to get resolved, relationships that need to be strengthened or in our own personal life, growing, you know, spiritually or otherwise, it's easy to fall into the trap of good intentions, to get up in the morning, stand in the showers, and have a good intention. Um, 
but if we don't act on it, if we if we don't actually act on it, good intentions can be fatal to us. And so I encourage people, especially if you wrestle with a procrastination or being overbooked in your own mind, to say, what one thing today, what's one thing today at the end of the day I can look back and say, this was something that I made as a priority to move me toward a greater goal. And while I'm going to be doing other things, and I may end up procrastinating on some other things, this is one thing at the end of the day I can look back and say I made that as a priority in my life. And when we do that, and we do that consistently over an extended period of time, we move out of the quadrant that I'll be talking about uh, in the, uh, at the workshop, out of the quadrant of good intentions into the quadrant of intentional living, which can really be revolutionary to your spirit, to your relationships, to your health, your finance, to, to every area of your life. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, certainly not coincidental, but the last uh, two weeks I did the power of no and making no your best friend. And today I'm talking about, you know, this whole idea of, of what has to die in order for you to live. And one of the types of death I talk about is the death of a good thing for the better, which is, you know, this whole idea. I love this idea of, of good intentions and that we all feel really good about those intentions. But are we really doing the intentional things God has for us to do. Right. Well, I think what's happening, Cynthia, we're going to be right in sync, I think, at the workshop, because uh, I have a little process that I go through intentional living. I talk about freedom using the letters F-R-E-E, and one of the letters E is to eliminate unnecessary clutter from our lives. And what happens is many of us, instead of adding better things into our life or the right things that God has for us in our life, uh, we just think we keep adding more and more, and pretty soon our life is cluttered. And like you say, there's power in saying no. If you don't say no to the things that are less important, if you don't say no to the things that aren't going to advance you in your relationship with Christ and in your other relationships, there's just not enough room for the good things. And so part of intentional living is not only doing the next right one thing, but it's also eliminating the wrong things from your life. And uh, so it's certainly hand-in-hand with what uh, sounds like you've been teaching. Oh, I, I'm, well, I'm really excited about this. And we'll have to have you on the show to do that book, because that is a, that sounds very exciting. And, and listeners, I want to make sure that you can find uh, Dr. Randy Carlson. You, you know, all you have to do is Google his name in or any search, any browser, and you will find a ton of things that are available from him. And this new book that he is doing, if you can't make it to the conference, I really want to encourage you to order the book, because it goes alongside with truly healthy living and really being able to do the, the plan, the destiny that God has planned for you. So, Dr. Carlson, thank you again. Any parting yeah. words? We have one minute left. So anything else you would like to tell our listeners? Well, at the conference, I'm also going to be talking about our mindsets and, uh, you know, that thing in our head that kind of controls us. And if we don't deal with uh, what the Scripture says, and the Bible says an awful lot about our mind and our thinking all of these good intentions that we have will never become a reality until we take captive every thought, as the Scripture says, out of obedience to Christ. So I'm going to talk about how do we actually do that to change our mind so we, as a result of that, can really deal with our emotional life and deal with our relationships and so on. So well, looking forward you. to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is, and thank you so much again. God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you very soon. 
Thank you. Make sure you listen to the rest of the show with Conversations with Cynthia, and you can listen to it its entirety as a podcast on the website. Also, find me on Facebook, Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., INC for Incorporated, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. And if you're just tuning in, I'm glad that you are here, and I want to make sure that you uh, check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. You can listen to the show in its entirety. And the last two shows prior to this one was Making Know Your Best Friend. And that leads into this show, which is The Phoenix in You. And that is the uh, presentation that I'm going to give at the Hope Not Shame Conference with Dr. Randy Carlson in Phoenix, Arizona, here at Calvary Community Church on February 18th. And we just had Dr. Carlson speak with us in the last segment about the power of one thing and intentional living. And that's one of the things that he'll be presenting on. So you are going to get this great just array of really learning how to live, live well, and to walk out the calling that God has for you. So we left off in uh, the segment prior to Dr. Carlson talking about three types of change and two types of deaths that have to occur. And when, when you think about the life of Christ, you understand that his whole entire life led up to dying. And when we look at this amazing um, portion of his, the, what we call the temptations of Christ or um, what, what happened in his, in his desert experience and the three things that he had to overcome that were temptations that he died to was hedonism, which is what we would call satisfaction, egoism, which is about who we are, and it's that spectacular, it's might, it's very strong, and materialism, which is kingdoms and wealth, these types of things. And so those three things were part of his dying process while he was still here on earth. He also had to die to several things, how people thought about him, whether people liked him, whether people got what he was trying to say, whether people actually changed and became who he, who he was helping them to be. And we see this very um, poignantly with his disciples, that Peter denied him three times, but was willing to die to self, to egoism, to kingdom, to self-satisfaction, and to let God redeem him and become one of the, the greatest heroes we have in the Bible. Whereas Judas would not die to that egoism or that kingdom, that wealth experience, that satisfaction, that hunger issue. And he ended up ending his life very poorly. And Jesus so compassionately said to him, wow, it would have been better if you would have never been born. You are not ending this well. And so we see that Jesus always leads the way. And so he had to die to these three major things that all of us, this is a universal piece of the dying process. And there are several things that are unique and individual to each of us as to what we have to individually die to. But these three majors we die to. 
And this is what Jesus did in order to be able to die to the greatest thing, which was his life, the ownership of his life that he gave up so that we may live. So when we go back to, we have these two types of death, the death of a good thing for the better and the death of the thing that is killing me. So what is it that's killing you? What are the good things in your life? And that's part of what Randy Carlson was talking about. Or we have these well-intentioned things, and they may be all really good-intentioned, but if we don't actually do the ones that God has asked us to do, they just clutter up our life. They steal from us. So what's the good thing that needs to die for the better thing? What, what's the, and this is part of when we talk about the grief and loss process. This is the letting go of. This is the accepting piece. And what's the thing that's killing you that needs to die? What are you holding on to that is dead weight? And maybe sometimes it's a dream. And that is one of the most difficult things to let die is a dream. And to do that well without becoming cynical and bitter. So I like this, another quote I'm going to give you because you know I love quotes. This is C.S. Lewis, my favorite all-time author, other than Viktor Frankl. And he says, the cure of death is dying. That is so profound, so profound. The cure of death is dying. Now, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin miserable life and so we're no longer at sin's beck and call what we believe is this if we get included in christ's sin conquering death we are also included in his life saving resurrection so i'm going to say that again if we're included in christ's sin conquering death that means that we go through the same dying process of dying to sin so that we will have that abundant life. So we're included in the the Christ sin-conquering death. He conquered death so that we may live, and we are then included in his life-saving resurrection so that we know when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as, as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. I'm going to say that one more time. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on to every word. You are dead to sin, alive to God. That's what Jesus did. I love it. I love it. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. It's the Message Bible. I love it. So what I want you to understand is if you don't do the internal work, the external won't work. That means that if I don't do the internal work in me, the external stuff I want to happen in my life will not work. And that's the second type of death. That's the character flaw. That's dying to the things that are killing me. That's in general a sin issue. The first one, the death of a good thing for the better, isn't necessarily a sin issue. The second one is a sin issue. What is killing me prematurely or killing the wrong things? 
So as we look at this, it's important that we understand that God has a way and that his ways are not our ways. And so we have this death of a good thing for the better, and we have the death of the thing that's killing me. And as we do that, we have to go through what we call the grief and loss process for both of these. So even if something that's killing me dies, I still have to go through the grief and loss process because of all that occurred in that process. So even if I'm healing from cancer and the cancer is being killed and I am going to end up living, I still have to go through the grief and loss process of what that cancer did to me while I was conquering it, while God was conquering it in my body. And do I have to let go of a dream? Then I have to go through the grief and loss process. If I have to let go of an addiction, I have to go through the grief and loss process. Because Anything that dies is a loss, even if it's an appropriate one, and even if we're glad it dies. It is a loss. And so when we go through this grief and loss process, and we have spent sometimes an entire show on the grief and loss process, I want you to think of it in terms of the death of many things as I go through my life. Many things have to die away for me to be who God has called me to be. Many life changes I have to go through. There's a time to live, a time to die, a time to heal, a time to wound. That's the Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything. And so the first part of the grief and loss process is shock. I just can't even believe it. Can't take it in. Don't even have a frame of reference for it. And this is usually when I've hit a wall. And many times this is a death, a loss of something that has been put upon me that is not one that I chose, that is not one of those changes that is inevitable or unavoidable or a change that I initiate. It's a change that has come upon me that is not my choice. And I first, after I do shock, I go right into denial. can't believe this is happening. It's not true. There's no way. There's no way God would have me do this. There's no way God would take this from me. There's no way that this would happen in my life. I can't believe that I lost that person. I lost that job. I lost that deal. I can't believe the dream that I know I thought God had for me. I can't believe it's not going to come about. And many times we can stay in denial for a really long time. We just don't want to believe it. We just don't want to accept it. And once I kind of get through denial, I go into a stage that is called bargaining. And this is very much an American pastime. We have a really hard time with acceptance. American, this culture, we are just kind of hardwired to think we don't have to accept anything and that we can be whatever we want to be and whatever we think should be and that nobody should be able to say no to us. And God many times says no. But he only says no to the things that would kill us. He doesn't say no to good things. And if it does seem like a good thing he's saying no, it's only for something better. So this bargaining piece of the shock and denial, the, the, the grief and loss process, is the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then. And that is finding any way possible to not actually have to go through that loss. So if I'm in a romantic relationship and the person says, 
I don't love you the way that I need to love you, or this is not working for me, or you're not the person for me, or I have found someone that I think is my soulmate, whatever it is that they have said, they have ended that romantic relationship, whether it be a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, partners, whatever that may be. And the bargaining piece says, what can I do? There's got to be a way. What do I need to change? What can I say? I can't believe this is over. There's so many good things that we have. There's no way that we could be going through this. I should have done this. I wish I would have said this. Maybe if I did this. What if I got a job? What if I lost weight? What if I had more money? What if, what if, what if, so that I don't have to incur that loss? The next one after bargaining is anger. We're just mad. We're mad all the time. We're mad that we have to go through it. We're mad that the word is no. We're mad that I don't get to have what I want to have. We're mad that it was taken from us. We're mad that it's not going to happen. And then we go into sadness and mourning, which is a really tough place because there's no energy in sadness. At least in anger and bargaining, we have lots of energy. Sadness has no energy. And so many times we get tired of being sad, so we go back and be mad again. And as we're mad, we start to bargain again. And then we go back to sadness. And we do all of this process, however long it takes, in order to get to acceptance and forgiveness. And the acceptance piece, as most aptly said in the 12-step program, acceptance, the key to all my problems. And so this process of the grief and, loss, grief and loss process has everything to do with accepting what has to die in order for me to live. So I hope this was helpful for you today. There's so much we can talk about when it comes to this topic. I want to encourage you to, you can find the book, God Wants You Truly Living on Amazon. Um, and you can also find it as an audible version. I read the book out loud, all those chapters, so you can listen to me speak the book if you prefer audible books. Um, and certainly I would encourage you and would love to see you at the Hope Not Shame Conference, which is February 18th at Calvary Community Church with Dr. Randy Carlson. Have a great week. You can make sure to listen to the show in its entirety on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. And if you want a keynote speaker for your group, I love to do that, and I will tailor-make any conversation for you. So this is Cynthia Hyatt, KPXQ Faith Talk. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.